Welcome to the As Growers podcast with your hosts, Tia Moskalenko and Melissa Hutzel. Today, we're talking about cannabis and parenthood with our guest, Joyce Gerber. I am the creator and host of the award-winning <laughs> podcast, The Canna Mom Show. Uh, we talk to women in the industry. I am a middle-aged woman. I have been married for 30 years. I just celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary by riding a bike up a mountain. So cannabis stoners, we can do anything. Um, I am late to the game. I really believed all these things about cannabis, that it was dangerous and killed brain cells. I had a cannabis awakening in 2016. Uh, my kids were teenagers. I do a boy and a girl who are now uh, 21 and 23. Mm -hmm. At the time they were teenagers, we basically came home and said, um, everything we know about cannabis is wrong. They were excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of started me on a journey. I live in Massachusetts. You know, this is a weirdly state specific issue in our country. And Massachusetts was the first uh, state in the New England area to vote for adult use cannabis in 2016, which was the same year as my cannabis mm -hmm. awakening. And then uh, at the end of that year, I actually, um, I'm an attorney by training. I used to practice family law. I used to end people's marriages. I wasn't that good at it, but I was mean. Wow. <laughs> um, Anyways, I was also a mom of two kids, and I don't know if you know this, but children don't raise themselves. And during those years, I did take time off away from the world of monetized work, which is like a death knell to women's professional careers, which is something we can talk about later. Um, anyways, uh, 2016, I was working, being paid for what I did, and then a contract ended. And in 2017, I literally became like unemployable. <laughs> I just... I have, I have a law degree. I took the bar pregnant. Like this is kind of the joke is that my law degree, like, you know, I, my law career is nothing to speak of, but I've done something no man has ever done. I have finished law school, taken the bar, passed the very first time while creating a oh person God. inside of me, proving <laughs> a brain and a uterus can work at the same time. But anyway, I love that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it amazing. is. It really is incredible. Okay, so that's yeah. why I got into cannabis, desperation, desperation, rejection, and kind of moving forward. And after that, I kind of just investigated the world of cannabis because it's a new world and you never get to be part of something new. I'm really interested about, you mentioned your cannabis awakening. So I'd love to learn more about that. But before you tell us about that, um, can you tell us what is the Mama show and why did you create this project? Uh, so the Mom show, we are now in our fourth season. We just launched our fourth season and our mission is to enhance the impact women have on this industry as all the things they are in it. Business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, and moms. Um, we share their stories, but more importantly, we're preserving these stories. And they're really kind of hopeful, wisdom, love, all that thing, because it's all about healing. Um, I am, like I said, in the fourth season, it started because I was working at a media company in 2019, That's or 2018 to 2019. That's how I entered the cannabis industry. I worked as an executive producer for a cannabis podcast, um, which is strange. You would never have thought that, but that is what I did. <laughs> I, I actually heard about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's how I learned the industry. That's how I really came to understand this is an industry that touches everything from criminal justice to cosmetics. You know, it's, it's hemp, mm -hmm. you know, we don't talk so much about hemp on the show, but it is, that's actually bigger than cannabis. But this idea that that's a plant that exists that was taken out of our economy and out of our health system and out of our lives for a hundred years for kind of really bad reasons. Anyways, that's kind of how I kind of started formulating that story. And I did that for a year. And then after a year in the studio, we started the Canna Mom show. 
it was really just a friend of mine. We were talking about how you talk to the kids. That's how it started. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend did not want to be connected to cannabis because everyone's so weird about it still. Like this is 2019. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll tell. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I am not the canna mom. Like the canna moms are these women. And these are the stories I share who are healing themselves and like literally healing their children at risk of great harm to themselves and their family. So, and they're kind of bucking the system and proving that this medicine works for their children who have almost usually, almost universally are at their mm-hmm. last their last hopes. It's so sad. So these are these women who are really fighting that, you know, cannabis may not solve every problem, but it has to stop being the thing that's the right. last resort. And that is really what the cannabis story is about. You know, and we have, we get to feel healthy. We don't have to feel shitty all the time. Joyce, as you as a mom, I was also really, really curious about the fact that I'm not actually the mom right now. So I was actually curious, how can you explain to your children that, uh, this is cannabis and how can you use it from which particular age you can use it and uh, what would be the consequences? Maybe you know how to explain this. Maybe you know how to uh, help me with this points afterwards <laughs> because I actually want to explain that to my children afterwards. So I'm really curious about that. How do you talk to kids about cannabis basically? Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually, there's a big conversation going around the cannabis world and, you know, different ages, different experiences, different levels of investment or understanding of where it is. So again, I talk a lot about transparency because the part mm-hmm. of the issue with cannabis is there's shame. And the reason there's shame is because everybody does it alone and there's no transparency. So that's one of the things we have to talk about is mommy or people, anyone who needs to consume cannabis for whatever reason, just like you get to smoke a cigarette or have a glass of alcohol, you get to have your cannabis and you don't have to be hiding in the bathroom. So this idea that once it's transparent, that helps with the conversation because it's just there. And the idea of honesty that we don't know, like my first conversation with my kids was, everything I know is wrong. Like, I didn't know I was wrong. Like, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> but yeah, right. this idea that like, you know, so then you, you kind of look at it through the ages. Like, so moms, like I was not a cannabis consumer when my children were young. I probably mm-hmm. should have been, but I wasn't. I could drink around them, but I wasn't. But the mothers who I see now who have always been using it and understand how it helps balance them to be better caregivers so they can be better caregivers, their mm-hmm. kids know what it is. They see it. They know it's mommy's medicine. They don't even care because there's no hiding. I think like when my kids are older, right. so it was much easier. Like we have a can of bar in my house now. Mm-hmm. And in lockdown, we had like everything because I was afraid I didn't know it was going to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Necessary. Um. Anyways, but then I think there's that middle group, that teenage group the kids are so afraid of if they don't know anything about it or their whole lives they've been told it's wrong. I mean, literally, again, the solution for that is to stop lying about it and stop hiding it. And just like you talk to your kids about anything, you know, they're children, they have different brain developments. They understand that they hear us talk about it all the time. CBD, cannabis, maybe it is something you can utilize because a lot of young people actually take medication. You know, that's a big issue. Uh, and, and I will talk, you know, my son is 20, he's going to be 24. So there were a whole generation of kids that we medicated yeah, like, right. normally, like again. So this idea that it's plant medicine that has become really demonized for bad reasons. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe you don't want it, but it's not something so dangerous that you have to go to jail for it. And it's just part of the repertoire. It has to stop being hidden. So it, I think it really comes down to transparency and honesty, maybe that you don't know everything, but you're trying to learn it with them. 
I was dreaming at some point that I should explain this to my children and <laughs> how it should be. So this is really, really interesting. So thank and there you are for books that. now. There are lots of books now, like women talking about like it's a it's a plant. Just literally talking about growing in grandma's garden. Like yeah. there's a couple mm-hmm. of children's books out there now coming there. I have a book that's about um it's back. I have some books. It's a smell, it's like a terpene. It's like a uh-huh. smell of okay. yeah. terpenes. <laughs> You know, so there are books to introduce children to it. It is just a plant. You can literally grow it. You know what I mean? Like you can see it. It's, it's the normalization. It's this, there's shame because it was hidden. Like, I, you know, again, right. these are the, the stories. We're ruled by stories. The story we're told was bad. And the story we're sharing on these, you know, the women I'm sharing are really hopeful. They're healthy stories. They're women who are healing themselves, who are trying to be the people other people need. Right. I mean, it's really powerful. And it's, that's what we need to hear these days. We don't need more doom and gloom. You mentioned your cannabis awakening. So can you tell us a little bit about that and your your relationship with cannabis? Um, so when did you start using it and why? And how has this relationship evolved over time? So I definitely grew up in that era where cannabis was dangerous. You know, joint, you go to jail. I didn't know that when I consumed it in college and when I was in my 20s, I liked it. But I was like, thought it was going to kill brain cells. And I was smart. I don't know. I had a very mixed up relationship with it. <laughs> um <laughs> I did when my children were younger. I had a friend who liked to consume and she had a beach house. You know, like we're like old white ladies who play tennis and wear pearls and stuff. We would go to her beach house, you know, just the moms with like a little bit of cannabis and smoke it and feel good. (laughs) But then we didn't know what it was and drink our wine. So that was I just didn't understand what it was. But I did know it made me feel better. But I wasn't sort of in that world where I was willing to use it as a medicine. I didn't understand it, I guess. Uh, So 2016, my husband and I went to Denver for fun. We like to do things when we go to places like bike ride or go out, like we just did a bike tour and go food thing, you know, like always looking for activities. So they, you know, they market cannabis as a um, activity you do when you go vacation in Denver. So we did a private tour. So I met a woman named Goldie. <laughs> she has a business called City Sessions and she picked us up at our hotel and she took us on a tour, a private tour of the industry. And uh, she had a bunch of things in her back seat. She had like she might have had like a Pax vape. I can't remember. I definitely had some edibles. And then she's like, just use whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> uh, very generous. She, anyways, yeah. and I was like, it was like, a weird, it's a different culture. And uh, so we got, she took us to a grow facility. And that's really what changed my mind. It was a private tour of the grow facility. And the man who ran the organ, you know, it was very high security. It's very regulated. And he knew so much. And it was so like, it wasn't like a dude on his couch smoking and eating Cheetos. You know, this is a real regulated, serious business. Yeah, you know, right. so that was kind of like right. that kind of got my, you know, the gears running. And then we <laughs> went to a dispensary and I saw what it looked like to go to a dispensary. It was not scary at all. And I just, you know, I was like, wow, that's not what I thought it was. And then, you know, and she told us a little bit about the history, which I really didn't know. That makes sense. <laughs> anyway, so then, you know, my yeah. kids were psyched. And I do have a funny story about that summer. My son had a bong. And I, we were in a beach house. I can't remember all the details, but my we were like alone. I thought, but my daughter was there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just, so what did she say? So that's like a kid's story. She was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so. Um, so did you find the bong? It was your son's bong, and you found it. No, no, no. He brought it down so we could smoke together. Oh, okay. Oh, that, oh my god. Like, this is after like you know he knew that I was open to you know and like we're very open now like I have a bug I have um my porch my back porch which is all windows it's my cannabis porch it's out there I have my pretty vases from my bud vase and you know elevate Jane and um 
whatever else I have out there. I've got some really pretty trays that people have made me by um what's that lady? There's a woman out in Arizona who makes these beautiful trays. They've got pink swirls and stuff. And I don't know it's very nice oh and gosh. crystal and I make it really nice. So it's like, it's not, I'm trying to normalize it. Do you have any boundaries with your own consumption? So for example, do you uh, microdose or do you use CBD products or tell us a little bit about that? Everything. So um, <laughs> a, a woman named Sam Cantor, she's got a business out here. It's a meal kit, an infused meal kit. So I interviewed her last week. Her show came out today and she delivered me a meal today. So I don't ever, I'm not really an edible person. I just have not figured this part out yet. I don't like that idea of something hitting me later and you know, like. You should try to, right? Anyways, but I'm making the dinner yeah. tonight. So I will, you'll see how that goes. I like flour. You know, I tried vaping. I've tried mm -hmm. the oils so much. I have a, I have a, um, I do microdosing more. I have like a little microdose uh, flower vape that I've tried that I is okay, but I like um I like to smoke the flower. I think that's the one thing that kind of hits me the right way. I do like little hits. I have this little one hitter called um um the, my it's like a little black one hitter. That's my favorite thing. It's actually engraved <laughs> with the Cannamom show on it. Right. And it just it's like enough when I need it. And at night on the porch, uh, we do have the bongs, but I do like to smoke a joint with my husband because it's very um. I think it's very relaxing. It's better than just like sitting out there drinking. Listen, um, I have a question for you because and I do just, I use a lot of CBD stuff too, just so you know, like for my hands and um, like I just did this big bike trip. I love the healing rose. I brought that everywhere to kind of keep me and CBD bombs, like to kind of keep my body. I was like so afraid of having pain. So I like to oh use my that gosh. too. My friend uh, who actually got of the Ukraine to Germany, they wished for everything that you just told, <laughs> like a boss. So I was just wondering, so um, do you do like um, like something that you uh, want to do in the bathroom to uh, make it the CBD stuff and you're just relaxing in the bathroom or uh, what do you do actually? Or do you have any friends who do that? Maybe you could just join and uh, explain this to us because I really do like this because it's just relaxing and you're like sitting in the bathroom for like two hours and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, this is cool. I tell you, I know, I actually, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the healing rose that's my the company yeah, I go to they yeah. do a lot of products out here I, it's a woman-owned company I just like her products they seem to work for me I think the problem with CBD is that you almost need to know who's growing your hemp because it's kind of mm -hmm. weirdly over-regulated under-regulated and if you find a product that's not good you think it doesn't work so um okay. I don't know you kind of like I look for smaller businesses I always look for women-owned businesses it just kind of helps narrow down the focus and then most of those products seem to be pretty good that's that's it my like that's how you narrow down to the cbd market yeah right <laughs> one thing i always right. like to tell people about learning about these different types of cbd products and even thc products is the existence of test results so a lot mm -hmm. of these companies will have their test results available exactly on yeah their website and if they don't it's something that customers should definitely know to ask and learn how to read about because as you said there's so many different types of products and some of them you know the quality behind them may be questionable and if you have these these test results to refer to you can see like, okay, well, with products that actually have 10 milligrams or five milligrams of right. CBD versus THC versus CBG in it, that's what works for me. Right. It's a little, you know, it's very personalized medicine. They talk about, it's very intentional. 
you know, it's, it doesn't solve everything. Like I do talk like it does, but like, you know, I talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. Like I talk about, I do tennis, I write, I have a person of faith and I sprinkle a little cannabis on top and it kind of helps everything just work a little better. So that's how I explain it to my friends. And, you know, I went through a long time where I never used it and I thought it was dangerous. And I know it could have helped me when my kids were little, I could have been calmer. I could have been calmer and more engaged with them, which is really a mother story that, you know, we're, we're always so busy that we couldn't just stop. Um, but with, you know, this really, this is a thing that can help you stop your brain for a moment and be engaged with your kids, which is really the most important thing we can do as parents. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's something to be said about self-care in general and just taking a moment to give yourself something that, you know, you can take care of yourself with. So speaking of that, many parents believe their use of cannabis improves or enhances their ability Mm -hmm. to parent. So, I mean, you kind of touched on this, but uh, if you can elaborate more, so what are your thoughts on this and how cannabis may affect one's ability to parent? I mean, I think the trick of parenting is to pay attention to your kids, like, which is really much harder than it sounds, <laughs> you know, especially when you're very busy <laughs> and you have other things to do and they're annoying you. Like that is the truth of it. Like oh, yeah. when your that kids are little, they're just <laughs> annoying you and you, it's hard to get out of that moment. But the thing is, I can see now, like, and so we drank, like I used to joke that like I, in my, when I was leaving my office, I could be like, I'm stopping at the liquor store, you know? <laughs> That nobody makes thought, sense, actually, Joyce. Nobody that thought anything about it, but like I know now that I could have come home, I could have had a hit or two in my bedroom, or just wherever I smoked or whatever when my kids were right. little. I could have taken five minutes to calm down, and then I could have been engaged in their lives, and I could have left all that other stuff that I can't control behind me. And that I think is sort of the epidemic of our entire generation, of part of the world, which is what's causing so much anxiety. I mean, that's just sort of my take on it, you know. And I, my kids got everything they needed. I never, they never got. Um, you know, they were fine, but I could have enjoyed it more. And I think that's maybe the magic of cannabis is maybe if you're enjoying parenting more, you'll just be a better parent. You'll be more engaged, which is, um, it's hard. It's a hard thing it's to do hard. in this world. It's very distracting our, our, the existence that we have. I was just wondering that at some point you just need to explain to your uh, kids how you should consume cannabis. What are the first three points, how you could explain this? I mean, I think, again, and the trick of parenting is to make kids think uh-huh. or anyone think they're designing it for themselves. So my friends tell me their kids know, like they're like, mom. <laughs> oh, yeah, they know. <laughs> go take a break. They don't want you to be mean and crazy to them. They yeah, understand. Yeah. And they, if they know the solution, they'll help you with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's this idea that they recognize that you're a human being. And when you're getting cranky, just yeah. like sometimes you say to them, did you eat? They can be oh, like, yeah. did you take your medicine or, you know, oh, I think. Right whatever. That's one, you know, I think being transparent, again, it depends on the age of the child, but when you hide stuff from your kids, they're more curious about it. When you're open, they don't care. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, and and your job as a parent is to raise people who will leave you. So, you know, you need to be a good caregiver because the better you are at it, the sooner they'll leave you. (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's been um, tabooed and ignored and criticized and scared and all the other things, but I'm meeting women every single day who are not just functioning, they're excelling. They're all caregivers. I don't just talk about moms. I talk about people who are taking care of other people, which is a very hard job. So, you know, and that's right. And again, the women who are evangelized by this industry, it's very hard to be in. It's absurdly hard to be in, but they've been evangelized because they've healed themselves. It's a whole world of healed women who are trying to be in this industry. That's the passion of it, right? 
Yeah, a bunch of white guys who want to make some more money. But I, can we do this differently? She's a plant. She's a caregiver. Let's do it differently. <laughs> Help her guide that's us. That's right. <laughs> I think that's oh, why yeah. it's so important now to include women on the in on the discussion when it comes to cannabis and and women in business is because, as you said, it is an emerging industry, and we have this opportunity now to build it correctly and to include people um, more inclusive or build an industry that's more inclusive. Exactly. Whatever. We exist. My mother's generation, they were begging white guys to let them get an education and have a credit card. You know, I went <laughs> through the feminist revolution. I felt like I was failing things because I couldn't have a kid in a profession and I didn't do it all. I felt like I was a failure, but I recognize that their structures just literally just don't exist. And now you okay. are existing like another generation of women who are like, uh, yeah, I can do both. Like my brain and my uterus work at the same time, but sometimes we need a little help and maybe the structures need to be different so that we can do what we need to do. Like I was literally told I couldn't do my job at home. Like literally told that. <laughs> but oh anyway, so gosh, things are hey. changing, but I don't know. Yeah. Women just, you know, we have the power. Don't give it back. I don't know what's going on here in America, but you know, we exist. There's a whole generation of us. We totally exist. And uh, right. you know, we can we can do something a little bit better. And if we do it, keep talking about it. That's that's all I can do. I talk about cannabis in my daughter's bedroom. Yeah. That is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh, Joyce, thank you for that. Thank you for your words. Hey again, everyone. This is Ask Growers Podcast, and our guest today is Joyce Gerber, the host of Canamam Show Podcast. All right, Joyce. So you mentioned that you've got a cannabis bar at home. Have you talked to your own adult children about their own relationship with cannabis? Yes. Well, um, so my own sort of, um, we sort of matured with it together. So I had my cannabis awakening when they were teenagers. So you know, my initial conversation was basically everything I knew with them. Everything I knew about cannabis was wrong. And then, you know, we sort of like moved through it together. And uh, when they were, so you know, I was open about it. And I think that's really the trick of all of this is like transparency and honesty. So, you know, they knew that I was consuming at that point and that I was learning about it and they didn't know everything either. Like, I honestly didn't even know about vape cartridges, if you must know the truth. And I probably wouldn't have known about vape cartridges until unless I had gotten into the industry, which I think. <laughs> right. Actually, same here. Same here. <laughs> so I didn't, sure I didn't even know that I didn't even know they were consuming something that was probably pretty dangerous because I was learning that as it was happening. And then I found out that they were. So I'm like, if you want to actually use this product, I will buy it for you from a dispensary because I don't want you buying it off the street. It could have vitamin E in it or whatever was going on at that mm -hmm. time. Yeah. What was the reaction of your children to everything that you told them about the cannabis? Uh, were they shocked? Because uh, here, for example, I'm from Ukraine and here, if your parents are telling you that, well, okay, just uh, calm down, I'll buy, you, I'll buy you something. I would be shocked actually. So <laughs> maybe, maybe oh, you could it, came, it, it came after a little bit, you know, of me understanding what this plant is and then, mm -hmm. Again, part of the argument to legalize this is so that it can be tested and that can be safe because mm -hmm. buying something from somebody off the street somewhere in a bag, yeah. you know, handing it to you is not a safe product. So again, yeah. we always talk about, you know, always afraid for the children. We have to keep the children safe. It's always about the children. Mm -hmm. But the scariest and most dangerous thing for children is to be buying a product off the street that could be anything mm -hmm. as opposed to finding something that is tested and regulated. And your parents are, yeah. are aware of really because. Mm -hmm. you know, that's just kind of how it is. You can't stop people from doing things, but maybe you can guide them in a way and give them good choices. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense, right? So Joyce, uh -oh. you practice family law. 
Did you find that cannabis played a role in any of the cases that you handled? So for example, was cannabis used as a reason to withhold custody in divorce cases? And is that changing? So I will say I didn't handle any cases specifically, but I do know that we would have used it against the other party if that had been an issue coming up. I really, I, you know, it was, it was a little bit a while ago. I've been doing this for a while, but um, I thought that I thought um, standards were changing. I thought the attitude was changing, but it's still illegal federally. And I have a friend who is now going through her own divorce and she is a cannabis medical patient. And so is her daughter. But the attorney on the other side is actually trying to use this against her, even though she's an advocate. You know, this is she's proud of this. This is things out there. So and this is in Massachusetts where it is legal medicinally and adult Mm -hmm. use. And it's still sort of in that weird realm of maybe you can use it against someone saying they're really not a good parent, which is what we're already fighting against is that canna moms are probably some of the best parents because we are engaged and we are healthy and we are focused on our kids and we are focused on our family's health as opposed to what we have allowed to be normalized, which is, you know, wine moms, which is mm-hmm. what I, I was. It was totally acceptable. <laughs> it was normal, yeah. which is probably the most unhealthy thing a mom could be doing while she's around her children. By the way, how can you persuade the person who's drinking wine when uh, they're tired, like uh, wine moms, uh, not to use cannabis, but that uh, wine is not that healthier to consume in the evenings that they think. How do you think we can persuade them to not to use, for instance, alcohol, but that cannabis is in the way better, the the way better that you feel eventually. And uh, it's not actually putting that much of a stress on you uh, during the consuming and then afterwards in the morning. How, how, how do you think we can uh, persuade people of, Uh, you know, change their habits, maybe. Uh, Alcohol is literally a poison. I don't dismiss alcohol. It is part of our culture. It's part of how we engage with each other. You know, cultures all around you aren't even aware what it is, but that is part of our, it's deeply embedded. We're not going to get rid of it. But Mm -hmm. the mission with cannabis is this idea that it's been pushed back so far that no one can even use it. And we need to put it back to the front line. If you want access to this plant, for your reasons, whatever they are, Mm -hmm. you should have access to it as easily as you have access to alcohol and as easily as you have access to guns, for God's sake. So again, this should be more accessible. And just, I think being the person you, you know, being the people that we are, I think this is the best way to persuade people because they'll see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also they should know that it comes without a hangover as well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. Exactly. And who wants to be a mom (laughs) with a hangover? You know, I just... (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the whole point, right? <laughs> and you'll probably sleep better, which means that you'll feel better when you wake up. There's a lot of benefits. Do you think um, that the canna mama phenomenon will replace wine moms? Um, I don't know if it's the phenomenon, but just this idea that moms are powerful beings. Uh, just it's the truth of it. We have a, mm-hmm. this connection to the future that came out of our bodies or that we've been caring for for a very long time. So we're very devoted to it. And that passion makes us want to make things a little bit better. And it makes us um, maybe do things for love that we thought we would never do. And one of them, I think this advocacy for cannabis normalization is really coming from that moment of women who are feeling better and realize they're being better parents. And they want to share that because they know that 
in their previous incarnation, whatever that may have been, maybe they were using alcohol born, maybe they were on more prescription drugs, maybe they just mm -hmm. had a lot of anxiety and couldn't function well, they weren't being the best moms they could be. And if we are good moms, we have raising healthy children and healthy children are better for our future. So I think it's sort of biological and psychological, all <laughs> kind of messed up in one. <laughs> <laughs> So you said previously that uh, the cannabis consuming mom can feel very alone, especially in states where cannabis continues to be illegal. Um, there's definitely a movement of young people who can influence the future of cannabis in this country. But the wine moms or excuse me, the canna moms will be the ones to get the job done. Why do you think that mothers are leading the cannabis movement? Sort of what I said, you know, this idea that the persistence and that we want to be caregivers, that's literally our job is to care give. And we're moving forward this because we realize it's better for all of us. And I don't know, it's almost like we can't help ourselves. <laughs> it's, you know, what I mean, it's just again, um, it's this movement amongst caregivers and this plant is a caregiver. She cares for us. Hemp cares for the earth. I mean, it's so many things and I am not this is all new to me, this sort of like world of like believing in manifesting and being with the earth and, you know, more of an urban girl, truthfully. But I'm really coming into understanding this idea that hemp and cannabis grow everywhere on this earth. I mean, everywhere on this earth. And she's such a caregiver, takes toxins out. We can reduce all sorts of plastic products. I was literally just on a webinar um, talking about using hempcrete to rebuild Ukraine. Oh. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually saw this. That's so amazing. I actually read through the first part of the article and I and I thought like, whoa, that's nice. I mean, it's really cool that people actually care about that. But again, that this is a new, it's horrific what's happening across the world in so many ways that we're destroying so many things. Mm -hmm. But this plant is here to help maybe bring us back, bring us back to another beginning. I don't know, but I know it's here for a reason. So that's why I advocate for it. And part of it is normalization. And it's not just the cannabis consuming mom. Mm -hmm. It's really about everything. The entire industry has to be normalized and women. And, and, you know, again, and I'm meeting the women who are doing this, who are sort of stepping up and taking this um, leadership roles in this. And almost all of them are caregivers and they're doing this because that's sort of their, their why, I guess. Also, you know what I wanted to ask? Uh, I don't have any children right now, but I'm thinking of them. <laughs> so uh, the question is, uh, how can you, or not how can you, but uh, actually, is that okay when you're smoking a joint in uh, front of your really, really young children, if they are five to 10 or something? It's, um, I'm just curious because how it, it will impact the uh, their whole life. So how would they think about this? Is that okay? Or it's not okay. And it also depends on the parents who smoke weed. So I'm just curious about your opinion here. It's like the great paradox. So yeah. again, it's back to honesty and transparency when uh, parents are consuming, but they're hiding and trying to pretend like they're not consuming. It's not great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It creates this sort of weird mystery. Yeah. Uh, maybe you don't want to consume a joint in front of your children because of the smoke. That's a whole nother discussion. I'm, uh, you know, sometimes you have a designated area in your house where people smoke. My mother-in-law used mm -hmm, to smoke cigarettes. Mm -hmm. We made a girl outside, but you know, it wasn't, <laughs> we were, we didn't hide her, but she didn't have to sit on the porch. Um, you know, so normalizing like what it is, again, we've normalized the way we consume alcohol. You can normalize the way you consume cannabis. I mean, again, we have candies now, which is a little tricky with kids. We have savory yeah. foods. We have capsules. 
we have pills, we have um, cannabis tinctures, there's all sorts of ways to consume this medicine, just like other medicines that we have. So I think normalization with a child early on is the beginning. So they see it and Mm -hmm. it's not like this weird, scary thing that's introduced when they're 13 at the dare program. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just, it's just the normalization. It's, it's, this plant has been in part of human culture for 10,000 years of recorded history. God knows how much longer. And we Mm -hmm. live in the 100, 100 years, really, where it's Mm -hmm. been completely prohibited across the country and around the world for really ridiculous reasons. And you can see in these hundred years, things have not gone so well on the earth. So we got to bring her back. (laughs) Coming back. Exactly. So just again, normalization of it, just normal with children. I know it's all about children. And then when they're a little bit older, again, you know what the conversation is about, again, about anything, sugar, TV, video games, everything that our kids consume too much of. A lot of this is just moderation, you know, the great paradox. Mm -hmm. And then when they're older, I think it actually, for me, it's helped me be, um, I know relate with my kids in a better way during the pandemic in lockdown. We had lots of cannabis products. We were very nice to each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, and again, introducing it um, when, you know, again, moms have kids at different ages. So, you know, depending on the age, there's different ways. There's books now for little kids. I mean, mm-hmm. literally about growing it in your garden. I'm sure there are videos as TV shows. I was just talking to people about normalizing it in just normal culture, how you just see it on TV. So it's happening and your kids see it and, um, just be as honest and transparent as you can be. Do you feel that the stigmatization um, of cannabis use for parents is decreasing or do you feel it is still far from overcoming stereotypes? I thought it was decreasing, but I don't know anything anymore. This country is wacky. So, <laughs> I mean, I actually talked about cannabis as like sort of the great in the middle of the Venn diagram between, you know, conservatives and progressives that, you know, everybody uses cannabis at some way, somehow, for whatever reason, and that um, that alone should make it more acceptable. But we still have a culture where alcohol is much more acceptable than cannabis. There's a lot of judgment. So again, it's just a matter of being transparent and creating cultural change. And it's hard. It's again, one store at a time, one connection at a time, one experience at a time until it's just everything around you. It's just, it's normal and you don't even notice it anymore. Where do you think this judgment comes from? Because uh, uh, at some point, and when I'm watching actually American movies, I see that um, not to the kid, but to the person who's actually uh, 18 or 20, who's smoking a joint like late uh, Friday night and he's not drinking uh and other people are looking at him as like oh come on guy what are you doing let's just go grab some beer or wine so uh maybe as a mother you know how to you know persuade uh the people of that it's not that bad you know and uh everything should go with uh, their own path so (laughs) about the judgment actually (laughs) So I, so I've had discussions with friends about this who like, you know, I've been kind of coming mm-hmm. through this and people don't even know where the judgment comes from. They just know their whole mm-hmm. lives. They were, you know, put on, put upon because they consume cannabis. There's obviously something wrong with them because they consume cannabis. This whole idea, <laughs> exactly. this, this story that has been built, like it's a story that was created and we've so internalized it through specifically like a movie, like popular culture. We've, 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 you know, legitimize it by showing in popular culture teenagers drink they don't smoke you know cannabis unless they're bad do you know what i mean like those after school Mm -hmm, movies mm -hmm. about like kids who tried pot and jumped out the window like 
frying your brain. You know, that was a very effective advertisement for Americans. Uh, you know, this is your brain on drugs. Fry it. That's what I thought happened uh -huh. to me. I just assumed uh -huh. that was true. So, again, it's it's culture is all around you. You don't even know it's around you until you just sort of like piece it apart. The stigma is because we were told a bad story. I really this is a stupid honor to God's bad story that we all believed and the way mm -hmm. to enforce it was to create stigma and isolation, which is why a lot of people felt so isolated because they couldn't even talk about it. And mm. the more you're isolated, the less you know that maybe there's others around there who are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So as you said, um, you know, the normalization of cannabis has started to grow uh, throughout our society. And you kind of see that with um, younger generations, such as millennials and members of Gen Z. So I'm wondering with your own kids, have you seen that um, their acceptance towards cannabis has been a little bit easier, so to speak, or did you, do you feel that they knew a little bit more about cannabis or maybe their generation consumed a little bit more cannabis um, than our generations? Oh, I mean, they're all cannabis users and they, <laughs> it's not, they were just like, so they were just psyched that I'd like, you know, I had a change of heart. So they knew what it was and they were using it. And I will say his generation a lot of them are medicated. It was just what we did. We medicated our kids. We didn't, it was what we were told to do. And a lot of these kids are finding cannabis. They could consume cannabis and get off their Adderall or get off of their, whatever else that they were being Ritalin or whatever mm -hmm. else they've been medicated for, for, for many years, once they got into their twenties and, you know, they were trying to get off their medications because they, they, they were the guinea pigs. They know the long-term effects of them and cannabis is, can be used for this. This is part of the, the magic of it, getting people off opiates, getting them off other pharmaceuticals. Um, they knew a lot about it and they maybe didn't know what the endocannabinoid system was, but I don't think it was frowned upon. And I don't think the people who, you know, were stoners were like outcasts. Mm -hmm. I think people should really realize what stands behind the cannabis because they don't really understand it and they start their judgments. And uh, I think this is a really, really bad path for these people. I think uh, even me, I had two operations on my neck on my spine and uh it really helped me when i smoked because i didn't feel any pain almost mm -hmm. i almost didn't feel any pain so uh, yeah i think we just need to dive deeper into the things we don't understand for sure yep. and then we can make some conclusions i totally agree here in this and there are i mean again and people always kind of push back on the science because we have lots of anecdotal information but there's you know part of the restrictions of studying it is because of illegality here but mm -hmm. there are studies there are people doing things there was a story in the washington post this week about menopause and cbd and the benefits that they're studying out here at mclean hospital and harvard university so they're beginning to do these studies where they can actually you know get some data behind what we already know is true which is kind of convincing mm -hmm. another group of people who may not be willing to hear this until that part of the puzzle is put together you know it's like football uh someone is so, someone is uh, let me just explain my uh comparison okay here. <laughs> yes, uh you're uh you're to, for instance you're totally for the british teams and i'm totally for something else some other teams and we cannot actually understand each other because we are we, we don't actually try because uh, this is my favorite team and this is your favorite team. We do not actually want to understand each other because that's what we actually think during the decades, during years. And that's why I think this is really, uh, really that hard. So <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think. 
I mean, it's loyalty. And, and again, it's very mm -hmm. hard to change people's minds. It's very hard. Yeah. Once you have a belief, you think you have this belief for a legitimate reason. So you have the belief. That's your belief. But again, if there's a mm -hmm. recognition that sometimes we're just wrong. A lot of times we're just wrong. I mean, yeah. we can only know what we know. And if there's, an, I know it's hard to believe endocannabinoid is a real thing for a lot of people, but it is. Mm -hmm. And this idea that there's something out there that we don't really know about. And we've been told a really bad story and who knows what's real and who knows what's not real. It's kind of, it's, I think it's a hard thing to people to like grasp, really grasp unless they need it. I think it's when people need it and they find relief from it. That's when they change their hearts and mind. But it shouldn't mm -hmm. come to that point. That's the sad part. That's what we don't want to have. We don't want to have it to be the thing that people try out of desperation because they have tried everything else and they don't know what else to do, which is a lot of these mm -hmm. stories I share on the podcast, which is why these women are staying in the industry. They want to help people not be that person. They want to be somebody else. They want to help them be healthy and not have to go through the trials and tribulations they've gone through. I was also curious about one thing. Uh, what if you have, uh, let's just imagine the situation, but because I think that's really popular nowadays. What if um, uh, your husband is totally against the cannabis usage, but you're a young uh, cannabis and uh, it's kind of a way that you have, you know, the relief in the evening or in the end of the week. How... Um, what are the actions? What are the actions? How we can persuade the person that it's totally okay and it's no harm to the children or the child and uh, how to act in such kind of situations? Because I know some cases that uh, husbands are really frustrated. They're, they're shocked and they don't want anything to be, you know, like on the table connected with the cannabis. So how do you think uh, people can, women can uh, persuade their husbands that it's totally safe and it's nothing wrong with that? Uh, so again, I think it's a difficult conversation. People believe what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. Usually people who are opposed to cannabis are drinkers. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's just, you know, so there is something that they like to consume that makes them feel better in some way, but yeah. that they understand and that they've been using. I would probably, you know, in a, in a marriage, it's a little tricky, but it's, you know, the same thing in my marriage. And like when I first started getting into this industry, it was a little bit strange for my husband, but he is a beer drinker. So this idea that I could kind of equate it to beer, although now I know it's not beer, but this idea that this is what he uses to come home and decompress and whatever. And this is what I have found works better for me than wine, because that's kind of the transition, you know. And again, I think it's just there's shame in it. And sometimes women, uh, just people using cannabis could feel shame around the people they're with, even though they know they're feeling better internally. I think it's an interesting dilemma that people find themselves in. And I'm often amazed that these women were able to sort of power through that, even though everyone mm -hmm. around them was telling them cannabis was dangerous, but they had found it, you know, worked for them. So they're able to sort of listen to that. I don't know. It's not even the voice in your head, because sometimes the voice in your head is against you, too. But the fact that they were able to, like, listen to their bodies or experience their bodies with relief and understand what people were telling them was wrong. That's mm -hmm. a very powerful thing to do. Um I would maybe in a marriage is just try to consume together, maybe have like, you know, away from the kids and just say, okay, you know, this is, I want you to experience it with me, which is really the best way to experience cannabis mm -hmm. and feel the relaxation and the connection, because that is the beauty of it, that you can sort of connect with somebody um, and feel relaxed, which we don't, we almost forget that we can feel relaxed. And then when you do, it's like a miracle. So I, I just think maybe doing it together, maybe could help someone just to know what it feels like and not have like a projection because they, they don't even know what's going to happen. They, they have, they can project mm -hmm. all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. That's the best advice. 
thank you welcome <laughs> i will i will know it for sure for the future <laughs> <laughs> let me know joyce's joyce's canon mom advice yeah <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> thanks joyce so joyce i've only got one more question um so in the canon mama show or the canon mom show you often speak to and highlight mothers why do you think it's important to tell their stories and furthermore to help build a community of other moms who consume cannabis um, so the, you know, the idea behind the Canon Mom show is to highlight the caregivers and the moms and prove that this cannabis is not hurting them. They're not being bad parents or being better parents. And that to highlight these stories of women who have had to really hide their usage for a very long time and to elevate them, I think is a really powerful way to use my voice. So that's why we do it. I don't, it's kind of niche, but it's also universal. Everybody's got a mom. And we all want healthy moms to have healthy kids. And this is one of those things that we can, we have access to right now. So I think that's kind of where I am with it. I really love your podcast. Really yeah. love it. I've, I've listened to maybe up to 10 podcasts and oh, um, it's, it's really informative, I would say. So we try I to really keep it like entertaining it. and a little like, you know, I want to make you laugh and, you know, hear these stories. Cause some of these are very emotional yeah. stories of women who have really gone through a lot to get to where they are and they've come out on the other side they're in, you know these women are really inspiring and they're using they're using their own healing to help the next generation to be that voice because it's not always easy to be out there doing work in the cannabis industry it's um mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a hard industry and it's still very male dominated it's still you know it's business as mm -hmm. business is and i just hope that our stories can help elevate these women and maybe build something that looks a little bit different and better for all of us. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think this is really important because uh, I remember in one of the episodes you discussed, uh, I don't remember the name of the woman, but um, she had uh, a, like a PTSD and another woman had a really great uh, stress after the pregnancy uh, and uh, given a birth to the child. So that was that was really informative. And I would love to listen to it more because uh, when I'm actually is going to be a mom, that's really important things to know. So it's it's really cool that you that you record and have all this conversation with the and there's a really, you know, different I'm on a network of women, you can't moms from across the country. There's a, usually a Sunday afternoon meeting on clubhouse and, uh, uh, her, her, her Royal highness, her, um, her, uh, uh, I can't remember all the names of the people I'm blanking Bianca. So they're out there are doing their thing and really connecting moms, you know, cause I, my kids are growing. My actually son is turning 24 today. So Bianca Snyder, she does, you know, these, um, she does these rooms on Clubhouse and she brings in moms from across the country, talk about it. And often there are women in these rooms who are in a state, they're all alone. They didn't even know they were Canada moms. And they're hearing these other women talk about how they, again, sort of the same conversation. How do they talk with their families? What do they do with their kids? When do they consume? How do they talk about this with their teenagers? All these things that mm -hmm. we're talking about, they're doing this on Sunday afternoon on Clubhouse. And I think it's empowering uh, moms to, own what they're doing and recognize there shouldn't be any shame that they can be the leaders and they mm -hmm. can change other people's hearts and minds. Thank you so much, Joyce. Sure. Joyce, thank you so much. Thank you All so right. much and uh, have a good day and uh, the rest of the week. It was so nice to talk to you again. You too. Good Bye -bye. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. For more information about the intersection of cannabis, parenthood, 
and more, tune into the Canna Mom Show. And for all things cannabis, make sure to check back in at Ask Growers.